Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's Word together. Glad that you could join us. Good morning to uh, a new viewer, Lucian, at least new commenter. Glad that you could do that. And thanks for doing that, uh, because as I mentioned in the chat there, something happened yesterday. Several of you made comments uh, through the broadcast, and they did not pop up on my screen, and I didn't see them until afterwards. So I apologize for not acknowledging those and, and uh, interacting with those. So when you wake up this morning and you hear something, read something like um, Putin saying, I'm not bluffing. I will use nuclear power. I'm not bluffing. What do you think? Does it terrify you? Does it cause you fear and trepidation, anxiety? What do you do with that? Well, we don't know. I don't know the future. And I don't know what King Jesus has planned for today. And I don't know what he's going to do with Putin and Ukraine and the U.S. and so on and so on. But what I do know is, ultimately, Vladimir Putin is not in control. We know the one who's in control. We're going to read more about his character and his purposes today in Isaiah. So, do not let your heart be troubled. King Jesus is on his throne. And you know what? He made this day. He is reigning and ruling over the entire universe today, Wednesday. So, be glad. And let's say it together. You say your part after I say my part. Ready? And make sure if there are people in your house, they hear you. Ready? This is the day the Lord has made. And you say, Indeed. Rejoice and be glad in this day. All right. So I told you yesterday, we are uh, heading to uh, Isaiah 49 today. I love this chapter. I remember when I first really began to grasp what it was about and thinking about the implications for our view of the gospel and the whole plan of the scripture, particularly if you come from a dispensational background. Uh, Lucian here, I uh, hope I'm saying your name right, uh, he asks about NCT, That's that stands for New Covenant Theology, and uh, that's a, a view of the, uh, of the scripture that believes that we're not under the law of Moses, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not Jews in the national sense, and we're not subject to the Old Testament law, and that kind of thing. And we also do not believe that the, uh, the end times, the future, the plan and purposes of God are uh, primarily around ethnic geopolitical Israel, but that everything in the Old Testament was a type and foreshadow and pointing toward Jesus and the new covenant and everything that was the purpose. Well, if you're from a dispensational background, you, you think that the old covenant is still in force and that uh, if uh, when Jesus came... If the Jews had received him as king and Messiah, then he would have set up his throne right then and there, and uh, he wouldn't have gone to the cross and so on. I don't see how we read the book of Isaiah and get there. So uh, today we're not going to talk about uh, dispensationalism so much, but if that's your background uh, and you've come out of that, then uh, let Isaiah 49 encourage you even further. What we're going to see here is God's plan and purpose was always for the nations. Uh, it wasn't like the church's plan B. 
or the gospel going to the nations is plan B. So uh, I want to set this up like I have so often. Uh, good morning, hot tub. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting uh, um, name. Um, I want to set this up like I have so often. Imagine yourself now, you're a Jew living in exile, or maybe you've gone back to Jerusalem, and maybe it's you know a couple centuries after uh, the city has been rebuilt and even the temple has been rebuilt. And you're reading through Isaiah. You have, you have access to the words written by Isaiah. And you see all the promises that this conqueror is coming and he's going to take out the king of Babylon. But you're still in exile. And then you come across Isaiah 49 and you start to ask some very strange questions. Or at least you are, some questions are raised in your mind. Here's what it says Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. So if you're reading along and you come to that phrasing, you're thinking, oh, this is, this is God, right? Listen to me. That's, he speaks that. Hear me, listen to me, pay attention to me, whatever. He uses that kind of language. And he's calling the whole world, all the islands, people from afar, listen to me. That's, that's normal. Uh, God does that. He's already done that in Isaiah. But then this phrasing is going to get your attention. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. Whoa. Okay. This is not God talking, right? This is not the Lord. The Lord called me. This is some other figure who's saying, listen to me, islands of the world, people from afar, listen to me. I'm somebody special. The Lord himself, when I was in my mother's womb, he called me and he named me while I was still in my mother's belly. Hmm. Who is this? What's this about? Who is this one who's saying, listen to me? Interesting. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. Well, what does a sword do? This is the kind of sword, it's a dagger. It's not even a big sword. It's a smaller sword. Well, a sword is for uh, hand-to-hand combat. It's, it's to do battle with someone who, who is close by. But he says, I'm, I'm a concealed sword. In, in the shadow of his hand, he's concealed me. He's hidden me. So he's, he's I, I'm like this sword, but I'm not just flashing around for everyone to see. He says, he's also made me a select arrow, or literally it's a polished arrow. It's been carefully rubbed and polished so that uh, when it flies through the air, it hits its target. So there's no extra uh, grooves on it or, or mud or something that would weigh it down and take it away from its intended flight pattern. No, this is going to hit exactly where it's supposed to. It's, it's the choice arrow. Well, what do you use arrows for? or far away combat. So you've got the sword that's near and the arrow that's far. And again, there's this hidden quality. He has hidden me in his quiver. Interesting. So this one who says, listen to me, he says, I'm a sharp sword, but I'm concealed in the Lord's hand. I'm a select or polished arrow, but I'm hidden in his quiver. 
And up here he said, what is it that's actually doing the damage? It's his mouth. So he says, listen to me. The words that I have to say are going to do battle near and far. But there's a, there's a hidden element. There's a sort of secret element to this. Interesting, huh? If you were reading this, you'd be thinking, this is strange. This is not like a, um, an army marching across the land uh, where everybody sees it. There's a, there's a concealed, concealed carry <laughs> element to this one who says, listen to me. Listen to what I say. And God, the Lord, says to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will show my glory. Now, if you're a Jew reading this, something else is provoked. Think about what we saw yesterday, what we've seen repeatedly in Isaiah. God is, uh, he's dismayed, he's angry at the Jews. And just yesterday we saw, he said, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to rescue you from Babylon. I'm going to bring you back to the city. You're going to rebuild it. I'm bringing this conqueror from the east who's going to send you back to the city to rebuild it. But you are a wicked, obstinate, stiff-necked people. And remember how chapter 48 ended? There is no shalom, no peace for the wicked. And in particular, he's talking about wicked Israel. And we see this over and over again in, in the book. Uh, God is, he continues to say, I, I'm done with you. I, I, I'm at my wit's end with you. You are a wicked, evil, idolatrous people. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to going to pour out my wrath and judgment. In fact, I announced this at the very beginning of our relationship, God says, that you would be rebels and I would destroy you. And yet there's always those statements of hope, of, of a remnant, right? Here, this one who says, listen to me, my mouth is like a, a sword. I'm a, I'm a polished arrow hidden and concealed in the Lord's quiver. Here's what the Lord said to me, you, you, the one that was called from the womb, you are Israel. You are my servant. You are the one in whom I will show my glory. Has God abandoned Israel? Has he decided to use someone else. This is all very interesting, but it's also hopeful. There is one coming who is going to be the embodiment of everything Israel was supposed to be. He's going to be the servant of the Lord. He's going to be the one who strives with the Lord. That's what Israel means. He's going to be the one who will fight the Lord's battle and bring glory to the Lord. Israel didn't do it. They became hard-hearted and rebelled. This one will 
do it. I love that. But it would be very interesting. See, we know the end of the story, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. But again, try to put yourself in their in their shoes as they're trying to figure out who is this? What is this? What does this mean? There's one coming. There's a man coming. He's born, right? He's from a womb. There's a man coming who is Israel. That's very strange because Israel's a nation that already exists. And now he's saying there's one coming who is Israel. Well, this servant, this Israel says, I've toiled in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and vanity. So we're getting sort of a autobiographical, uh, introspective perspective from this servant Israel. This, this one, he said, you called me from my mother's womb. You gave me a name. You've made me this choice dagger and arrow. But I've, I've failed. I've worked hard, but it's been for nothing. I spent my strength. I, I went into battle, but, but it's all vanity. It's all, it's all just a, a mist, a vapor. Nothing happened. Nothing of good has happened here. Again, interesting. If you were reading this for the first time and didn't know how it was going to be fulfilled, you'd be scratching your head saying, wow, what kind of opposition, what kind of uh, thwarting of his endeavors is he going to experience? Well, now we know, right? You can imagine Jesus looking from the cross and thinking, everyone has abandoned me. The Jewish people have rejected me. They're the ones clamoring, crucify him, crucify him. The Romans don't have a clue who I am. They're happy to drive the nails into my hands. And even my closest friends. Peter said, I'll die for you. He denied me three times. All the apostles, they scattered. I've told in vain. Nothing good's coming to this. I, I, I failed. And yet, he trusts the Lord. Surely, the justice to me, the, the judgment is with the Lord. And my reward is with my God. God will not let me end in vain. He will pay me. That's, this word is, is more like wages. He will repay me for, what I, for my work. And now the Lord speaks. Now the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to do what? To bring Jacob back to him. Jesus, we are told, came for the Jew first and then the Greek. So he sent me to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. So he did come for the, for the Jews. And then he has this reaffirmation of his, his dignity here. I am honored in the sight of the Lord and my God is my strength. He's not a failure. He hasn't uh, failed to do what the Lord called him to do. So the one who formed me to bring back Israel, here's what he says. Here's what the Lord says to this one. It is too small a thing. Literally, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light 
of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. I love that. This was always the plan. The Jews were never intended to be the only recipients of the blessings of Messiah. The nations is not plan B. The gospel going to the ends of the earth, that's not plan B. God did not send uh, Jesus to the Jews hoping they would accept him. And then when they rejected him, he said, okay, well, fine. I'll just turn my attention to the Gentiles for a while, but then I'm coming back to deal with you Jews. No. This whole business about rapturing the church and the seven-year tribulation for Israel and finishing his plan for Israel and the cut, none of that is biblical. There's not a single verse in the entire Bible that teaches a pre-tribulational rapture and a continuation of the plan with the Jews. Not a single verse. The plan was always the nations. Do you remember back when God called Abraham? Way back before Israel was a nation? Before even Jacob was in existence? Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who became the father of Israel? Before Jacob, before Israel, before any of that, God said to Abraham, before Abraham had any children at all, He didn't say, you're going to be the father of a nation. He didn't say, in you, the nation of your grandson will be great. Right? What did he say? In you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In your seed, all the nations, the entire planet And all the people groups of the planet are going to be blessed in your descendant. Kings are going to come from you. The whole world's going to be blessed because of what I'm going to do through you. The plan was always the nations. Even go back to the beginning of creation. When God made Adam and Eve, he said, reproduce, fill the earth, subdue the earth. God always had a global vision. And here he says to his servant, it is way too light a thing that I'm going to send you simply to be the deliverer of Jacob and Israel. No, 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 no. You're going to be a light to the nations so that my salvation will reach the end of the earth. The apostles should not have been surprised At the Great Commission, when Jesus says, now go and make disciples of all the nations. By the way, I'm curious here, are the comments working? I've seen some of them. I see Sherry says she doesn't watch any news at all. In fact, the only thing she hears about government and news is on here. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I don't know if that's, you're saying you you wish I would stop updating you on anything. (laughs) That's a funny thing to say. Anyway, I'd be just somebody give me a thumbs up or something that the uh, so I can see if the chat is working here because I'm not sure what's going on with my technology. Anyway, I'm going to carry on. Our time is is fleeing here. Thus says Yahweh, the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One. He says this to the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation. 
Uh, thank you, Hot Tub and Lucian, for letting me know that it's working. So again, interesting, this one who's coming, the Redeemer of Israel, the one who's uh, formed in the womb, the one who is Israel, he's a despised one. He's the one abhorred by the nation. What does this foreshadow? What, what's, what's being hinted at here? This sounds a lot like Isaiah 53, doesn't it? The despised one, the one abhorred by the nation. You see how Isaiah's working? He, he's done this over and over and over again. He gives a, a, little, a little glimpse, a little foretaste, a little, little something of what's coming da- down the road in, in his book. Right? God gives us a little taste here, and then this is going to be unpacked. Uh, much more fully in chapter 53, the suffering servant. Remember, we talk about servant songs in Isaiah. The first one was Isaiah 42. This here in 49 is typically called the second servant song. And then we'll get to the suffering servant in uh, 53. Well, here we get a little little foretaste of that suffering that's going to be described. He's despised. He's abhorred by the nation. Israel is going to reject him and, and turn on him. But the Lord says to this one, to the servant of rulers, kings will see and arise. Kings will see what? Now, if you have the NIV, it fills in something here that I don't think they get right. It's, it's, uh, it's intentionally obscure in the, in the Hebrew. Kings will see. The, these who are prostrate, they're fallen on their face. They're going to arise. They're going to they're stand up because they see something. Again, anticipating what he will fill out in chapter 52 and 53. Princes will also bow down. So some kings are going to rise. Some are going to bow down before him. Some are going to be, some are are prostrate. prostrate. (laughs) That's why some people don't ever use that word. Some are prostrate and they're going to rise up. Others are up and they're going to fall down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. So the the nation's going to abhor him. They're going to despise him. He's the servant of rulers. Some will see, some will bow down. But know this, the Lord Yahweh has chosen you. Imagine if you're Jesus, right? Imagine if you're Jesus and you're reading this as a boy. And you become more and more uh, conscious of the fact that you are the Messiah. Imagine reading this, realizing the Lord has chosen me. My father, he's with me. He has revealed I'm going to be despised by the nation. They're going to reject me. But kings are going to bow down for me. And I know I'm secure in the Lord. Fascinating. Thus says the Lord, in a favorable time, I've answered you. So this one who's coming, he's a prayerful man. He's going to pray to the Lord, and the Lord, in a favorable time, and the right time, is going to answer him. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Yahweh is going to be with this one and bring salvation. I will keep you, and I will give you for a covenant of the people. Jeremiah lays out in more detail this new covenant that God is going to make with Israel and Judah. 
Here he doesn't call it a new covenant, but it's implied that it's new <clears throat> because he's saying, I'm going to give this servant as a covenant of the people. They already have a covenant. <clears throat> but this one is going to be the embodiment of covenant. Now, I have to say from some of my new covenant brothers, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been told by some that Jesus is the covenant and he is the law. No, he's not. Jesus is not a law. He's not a lamb. He's not a lion. He's not actually Israel. And he's not a covenant. A man can't be a covenant. This is, these are all terms to describe that Jesus is the full and final fulfillment of what all of these things represented and signified. He's the embodiment of them, but he's not actually a lion. He's not actually a lamb. He's not actually a law. He's not actually a covenant, but he's going to in himself be the, uh, the, the fulfillment of the old covenant. And as we now know, the giver of the new covenant and the, the new law. He's going to restore the land and make them inherit the desolate heritages. This is the land again, the, the Eretz. He's going to restore the land of the Jews. And they're going to inherit what was desolate. This is the kind of thing where dispensationalists and others are still waiting for the Jews to occupy the land and to experience all the blessings. I think they're missing it. I don't think this is about the land of Israel. It's not about Jerusalem is about Christ and the new covenant and the whole world. God's plan is bigger than just a plot of land in the Middle East. It's the whole world. Saying to those who are bound, go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. Along the roads they will feed and their pasture will be on all bare heights. So his people are going to come back, as he said over and over again. They will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or sun strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and will guide them to springs of water. But it goes beyond Israel. I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways will be raised up. Behold, these will come from afar, and lo, these will come from the north and from the west, from the land of Sinim, which you don't know where that is. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. See, this is much bigger than just ethnic Israel, much bigger than Jerusalem. This is worldwide. Worldwide deliverance, worldwide salvation, worldwide rescue. The plan is for the world. Because the servant will come and he will make all the, all the highways a path to his mountain, to Zion. Appealing back to Isaiah chapter 2, right? With a little hint of that, that the mountain of the Lord will rise up and all the nations will stream to him. Jesus is going to take over the world. He's the hidden sword. He's the, the hidden arrow near battle, Jerusalem. Far battle, the ends of the earth. He is conquering the world with what? With his mouth. With his truth. And we take the battle to the nations as we proclaim the gospel 
and call every knee in every nation on planet earth to bow to the servant who has come, the Lord Jesus. See a couple of uh, comments here. Uh, Lucian says, do you have something on the law of Christ? Um, I do. I have a series called Glory of the New Covenant, which is really a, um, an ex explanation of New Covenant theology in contrast to both covenant theology and dispensational theology. And uh, there's a couple of videos in there that specifically deal with the law of Christ. Um, and it's smattered around in several other things that I've, uh, I've taught um, on the law. So anything on YouTube that uh, deals with the law, with Israel, that kind of thing would probably have something. In fact, I just did, I did a series, what, earlier this year called, um, can't remember what it's called. Um, uh, hmm. I'll, uh, I'll have to think about it. If anybody else remembers, let me know. Uh, Peter says, is it as or for a covenant as it could be either? Uh, I believe, let me just take a look again here. Uh, I will give you, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's Lambda, Lambda. It's the, um, uh, it's the preposition that can be two or four. Exactly. It wouldn't be as, I think the intent is as, um, but grammatically, it would be two or four. So four is a is a reasonable translation there. Uh, but again, it's metaphorical, right? It, it's not intended. He a person's not a covenant. I love this. I love forty nine. I love that phrase. It's too small a thing for you to redeem Israel. That's not to minimize that the the remnant of the Jews was in God's plan. And we've seen that repeatedly in Isaiah. But the plan of God was always much bigger. It is a global view. So, is Putin going to destroy the earth with a nuclear bomb? Well, if King Jesus decides that's how it's going to happen, sure. But, sure seems to me like there are many nations yet to be conquered with the gospel. So I got my money on the fact that Putin's going to be put down and all the other nations, including maybe the U.S., are going to be put down. Certainly uh, the wicked leaders are going to be put down. And Jesus, the Messiah, the servant, is still exercising his power with his mouth, his uh, being the sword and the arrow conquering nations. So that's what I think is happening. Pray for that. Proclaim it. Believe it. And take hope. The servant has come. And we know what he's doing. All right, friends, have a great day. And Lord willing, we'll be right back here tomorrow to continue working through Isaiah. Take care.